Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm the original Jeremy. And I'm the remastered version of Jeremy. And Colin is wishing you a good evening. And we're going to be talking about The Giggle, the latest <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who episode. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to come out and say it. Chudigawa has already stolen my heart as the Doctor. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I was a little bit worried. I thought he might go a little bit too, you know, wacky and wild with it. Such, like, charisma and presence. I, I, like, you know what? What a smile. I, I was worried he would be overshadowed by, you know, David Tennant or something, but it was just the opposite. It was yeah. like David Tennant became less doctory, and Shinigawa was, like, full-blown doctor. Yeah, and it, then it also literally could like, David Tennant, let me put you in my arms so you can be consoled about your new place in the Doctor Who universe. <laughs> Mind because you. Because I am here. But let's just be aware of one thing. David Tennant's doctor should be be, like... I've been here before, literally to myself before, as he is the the most uh, handed out doctor to to your companions. Yes, yes. <laughs> if I had a nickel for each time Russell T Davies took um, a David Tennant doctor and spun them off with another um, companion. You know, companion to have a happily ever after. I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot of nickels, but it's weird that I would have two of them. <laughs> For this episode, though, I think the one that really stole the show was Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, oh my God. God. Spice I, up my life. You, you, know, you know, I gotta say, like, when he was first doing the accent, I was feeling some serious Count Olaf vibes, but then, like, his switch of the accent throughout the episode was uh-huh. just, like, it was awesome. It was well, the point was, he <coughs> is an alien and well not even an alien he's from a completely he's different universe it's all yeah, no, yeah, it, it this perfect. is a game he loves humans as toys and so he's taking it from an evil but but more like oh wow i love this accent i want to play with it and i want to be silly about it and i want to i want to use it in this pretend play kind of fashion because and i want to terrify people exactly and i think that <laughs> actually worked for his character oh and, it did and really? only neil patrick harris could probably get away with it without being like overly uh, obs- obscene or or yeah, it, it feels like a derogatory. Role that was like really written for him. I, I did hear confirmation from the writers. It was not. And it just like oh, it just ha- so happens to be that we needed someone. You know, this acting line that juggled and can dance and and can do card. You know, shuffling and tricks. Well, even better yet, Neil Patrick Harris was is actually very much into playing cards. He even does a lot of advertising for Theory Eleven, who puts out a bunch of really nice playing cards. And 
Russell T. Davies actually got in touch with his um, agent and was like, we think that this role would be perfect for him. And funny enough, Neil Patrick Harris had never really known anything about Doctor Who before this. Oh, my God. So he ended up kind of going in and, and kind of studying it, and he realized how much he absolutely wanted to do this role, even though he wasn't... He was like, well, okay, yeah, I like cards. I like to do this. I'm not, like, perfect at anything. Uh, he's being humble, I think. Um, but it it just screams him. I know. I mean, he does magic tricks so often in his work. Like, he's got to actually be a magician. Yeah. And and he loves dancing, even though he he probably isn't a professional in anything. But he but that dance number was obviously done. Yeah, I did hear some, yeah, some, some interviews. And it sounds like he was, like concerned about his dancing and oh, you know yep uh he shouldn't be concerned anymore well oh no he can just naturally dance he's an amazing dancer like i don't know why he wouldn't say he's a professional dancer he needs to learn how to work with with a partner though i will say he's a bit no <laughs> but he has one up the master in terms of dance numbers because uh rasputin or yeah. master rasputin kind of character did do um rasputin's song he but he beats him out a number of teeth as well <laughs> so that was one of my favorite details because of course it was playing on the idea of how AI art right now, like, it can't do teeth, it can't do hands very well. But the the easiest thing for him to do was, like, all the rows of teeth, because he's not from this world. He's not even human. He's just trying. So he, he smiles. And he's not trying very hard, because it's beneath him. Yeah, yeah and we know one of those teeth is gold, but how many other of those teeth are just, like, you know, souls of entities <laughs> of the multiverse yeah. just hanging out? There. Well, he did say he took down the guardians of time and space, so I'm guessing the black and white guardian are in there somewhere, yeah. too. There, there were so many, like, drops of, I'm pretty certain, future concepts that were in this one episode. It was... In many ways, it's a very beautiful way of just, like, this is how you start a series for Doctor Who. This is what you do. You you lay down all these little tidbits. And Legions pay, are coming. Yes, and you pay homage to everything in the past. Oh, my God. You know what I, I really loved is that, like, we've only really seen the Doctor do this, like, once before, and it was <clears throat> David Tennant again when he offers to the Master, you know, come with me, and here we have him offer to the toy maker. Which, mm. who saw that coming? Like, him just being like, oh, I can actually defeat this enemy by not fighting them. And, but, like, it was just, it's it's a move that he doesn't normally make. And I felt it was very powerful. And the toy maker actually considered it. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, just one her little It'd thing. It'd be a fun concept. And as we're, one thing we're talking about, like, all the nice nods, especially to, uh, if anyone here is new, we just recently did an episode on the, on the Celestial Toymaker story. Great plug. Go yes. back, you know, a couple episodes, yep. you'll find it's it right not there. That far back. We Watch won't. it yourself, you'll see the parallels, you'll, you'll revisit this episode with open eyes. You'll understand the thing about the salt. <laughs> and, and the, uh, and the one thing that's really nice was also, like, the rooms. Like, I, I... It's like it's something you really appreciate by going to see old Doctor Who is being able to see how it lends itself to the new Doctor Who, uh, especially that the never-ending room of doors. That was oh, a good that one. was really good, and it brought the creepy right in this right amount of it. It kind of reminded me of the God Complex a little bit. Mm-hmm. Definitely, with all the rooms that the Doctor and all the other characters go through, Donna had her own room in this, and the Doctor had his, and they each had their own little parts to play in in being 
in the most creepy of environments that you could imagine. And I love that horror nod um, that that they did. I also like the fact that we've had so many references <laughs> to other movies and television series in this particular one. Most obvious was American Beauty, of course, with the, the rose petals. But I think throughout there were definitely nods to other other entities out there. Yeah, and I think like from the last episode and some from like the darkness and like a little horror, you know, mm -hmm. throws mm -hmm. in this episode as well. I think we're going to see like um, any of like the wonky kind of wackiness of Doctor Who, a lot of it turn into more horror kind of uncanny valley, you know, effects. Like I could see like I support Rusty this. trying to bring in a little bit more darkness into this era. Yeah, well, I know that um, <laughs> going going back to the Celestial Toymaker, uh, it was shown that he likes playing with dolls, so naturally he was playing with Stoopy Bill in this version. But you didn't really have as much of a visualization as you could manage today. So he was just casting lines, uh, puppeteering this uh, doll out of like a weird cloud, and I thought that was kind of interesting to see that they were all just in one big play toy box. That's thing. another skill that we have to put on Neil Patrick Harris's list, puppetry. <laughs> he has that well, as well. Like he... Technically that wasn't him. <laughs> yes, but he was doing the, the motions. I think there may have actually been like a string and a puppet attached, like mm -hmm. for his part of viewing. For the for the when you look yeah, at I him he, he actually has the skill. He 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 wasn't the one that actually moved the puppets, but he was the right. one that was holding the lines to make it look like he was moving right. the puppets. So yes, he yes, did yes. have to act as if he knew what he was doing. Yes. Um, but yes, I, I. There's so many things that that Neil Patrick Harris did in this particular story, but I will give a nod. I think this really shows David Tennant's full acting spectrum. He has so oh, many yeah. different emotions like that, right? and just simple little facial expressions that change in a heartbeat that just really kind of blend in with this really amazing acting job. And Catherine what, what Tate, too. I mean... And, and what about... I don't remember her name, but whoever plays Kate Stewart, um, she did, like, that whole scene where she, you know, lets herself go crazy for a while. And, yes, yeah. Kate. Yeah, that was really powerful. It was. Mm -hmm. it, and it was like, oh, my God, like, she's the boss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she is definitely the boss. And we can't ignore the fact that we had a certain Melanie Bush come back, which was yes. a gleeful moment. And boy, did it redeem her character by actually giving her something to do and talk about and make her more contemporary. And Bonnie Langford is just as beautiful as she was then, so it's very easy to like her nowadays. Yeah, it sounds like Donna's going to be in a similar capacity next season or next spinoff or whatever they decide to do with the uh, David Tennant's Doctor from here on out. He's um, now he's not in a different alter an alternate uh, timeline. He's still here. He's on yes, our timeline yes. still. Well, what I've what I've heard whispers in the shadow about that I, I like the connection about is that David Tennant's doctor may be becoming the curator here. And mm -hmm. this is how the curator begins and potentially us uh, on the side of others. So we can see other older <clears throat> doctor faces and stories. Right. and This is a reference to the okay. 50th anniversary day of the doctor. So, and, uh, and a lot of rumors that yeah, are out there. And it, honestly, like, I didn't like the idea of the bi-generation in general until you came up with like, like told me that idea and I was like well actually I can go with that because that was an you know inconsistency that had already been introduced I think the bi-generation is one of those things where at first 
it's like, no, 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 they can't change this. That takes away from the whole losing one and yeah. gaining another. But... But it's nice to have both. But in reference to the beautiful scene at the end where David finally realizes why he's been doing all of this throughout all of his incarnations, why he's gone lost so many people, why he keeps fighting and just keeps fighting and keeps fighting, he does it for one particular reason, and that's the family that he gets at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's the the lovely story. And one of the things I think it does is it kind of, first of all, they did redeem his first regeneration by making this regeneration his like okay i'm ready to regenerate i don't care let's just get on with it alonzi um and and they have a meaningful you know conclusion too for all the time they spent you know developing new characters in the first special episode as well which i really appreciate because i remember what was it was it eccleston or was it tenon who said i don't want to go tenon yeah i thought that's what i was saying it was tenon who said i don't want to go and I, that was, yeah. He didn't have to. And this times. time he didn't have to, yeah. This time, uh, but that what was... What are you talking about? He went more than any other doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but that... A lot, but you know, he was also there a lot. <laughs> but I think it's just a beautiful ending for a doctor that actually was the shortest lived doctor of any of the incarnations. I mean, if you take his actual timeline, the 10th doctor didn't live very long. And the 14th doctor certainly didn't live very long. So it's like... You yeah. kind of give him the ending he really kind of deserves in a sense. And you and Russell has already stated he's not bringing David Tennant back anytime soon. And even it, in a spin-off? Even in a spin-off. He he's uh. not he's not trying to say that the that the David it's kind of like the David Tennant doctor goes off on his own and does his own thing and relaxes and enjoys life. The Shudi Gatwa doctor is the one that they're going to concentrate on. So if there's going like to be that. any unit um, doctor uh, Meetings. I guess it's going to be with Shudi Gatwa's doc- doctor. So the next time David uh, Tennant comes back for the role of the doctor, he's going to make another version of himself to go <laughs> relax with another companion. I'm starting to think well, that Martha he's Jones. Like more of like a mogwai at this stage, just instead of water shooting with the laser. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a, a scene where he does get shot by the laser. That was just yeah. like... Now, now, was it like was it because of the laser? Or was it just like once in a gazillion gen- regenerations no, this happens? I, actually, I mean, did anybody else like have like Avengers towers like kind of vibes like that platform like out there? I know you're going there, but I just want to say I am kind of wondering if this is a toy maker's idea because he's the one who has that level of control over universal concepts. Which is his idea? The five generation? Yeah, like he's the kind of, he's yeah. he's the kind of person. Who can grab someone, turn them into a bunch of balls, and that's that. Like, and they he, were still screaming in yes. there. That was like that was awful. terrifying. Well, so, and then yeah, as the doctor said, said, like, like you know, why, why are you so small? Yeah. That was great. That was That was a so brilliant many, speech. There were so many lines. Nice. There were so many lovely lines in this one. That one being right, and again, with tenants just ability just to just own yeah. that stage you, you want to know a big problem that i had with what? this whoa huh? huh the game of catch mm-hmm. i hate how this is a game and it's an adversarial game catch is inherently a cooperative endeavor and these rules are not defined in terms of how hard you can throw the ball how far outside the person's radius you can throw you don't in, in theory you can grab this ball and you can throw it behind your shoulder, you know, uh, completely oh, no, no, no. opposite direction of the other person, and it can go. Never played catch before. I played catch a lot of times. They only define one And the way that they're role. playing catch in this game 
is is wacky. It is wild. It is skirting rules that are never told or laid down when catch rules have to be very explicit. Oh, the the catch rules I've they were playing by the catch rules that I've known, but it was not about to throw it behind you. It was always you had to throw it at the person. You can throw it at any amount of speed, any lob, any angle, whatever, but it has to be thrown at the person who is supposed to get Well, what if no, you're, like, the, really bad person, at aiming? Yeah, at the person is, like, oh, it's directly into their chest as hard as possible, or it's three or four feet, yeah. like, up above in the air, mm-hmm. you know, towards another angle of them, which, yeah. like, is unreasonable and ill-defined. And we don't I mean, know. it could be a six-foot, you know, throwing at it is, yeah. like... But, I, I, you, I, you have you have a, the most inherent conflict of interest possible you, at the same time to throw towards, but also towards a place that could never really be towards in a way that someone could meaningfully catch it. So I, I was going to say that this reminded me more of the version of catch I played with my friends when I was like six. Like that's what I, it reminded me of. And I figured that's what he meant by the first real game. Like the game of catch, like throwing the ball right to your friends and stuff like that. But yeah, I, but, but Colin's right; it's not a competitive game no, in its nature. Yeah, and, and even if it is, when you're doing that with a group of kids, you have a whole audience, like they did here, mm-hmm. and it's always like the audience's place to say no, unfair, you mm-hmm. know, oh no, doesn't count. And if that's the case, what really should be happening? All of unit right there should be saying immediately, "Sorry, you just lost. That's a disqualifying throw." to immediately start the game on the doctor's chest with that much force, without warning, without time it setting. It always fun. I, I have to point I'm out, though... I'm just saying I'm nitpicky about games, and if you are a god, more so an elemental force of games in the universe, you need to adhere to some specific rules in a game, <laughs> and they should be known by all players. Otherwise, this is a ruse... And you are it is defaming the exact <laughs> nature that you are portrayed to be. I, I will say, though, the there's there's a correlation between the game that they were playing and what the toy maker had said at the beginning of this whole episode. No, I know, but it was like the toy maker led the doctor into making a really bad choice. Yes, and it's game. almost like the toy maker had this plan all along. Which but is, I, but I mean I like the correlation because he's he's pointing it out that in the in the past in the Stone Age it was eventually to kill people was this, the whole game of catch so that he's taking that no, concept that's dodge that's dodgeball I know but I'm just saying he the original concept of catch he just that's what that was in this particular story I'm not saying in reality I'm saying in his mind in this story that was where it was going. And I like that correlation and that kind of nod to what he says at the very beginning to kind of correspond Change with is a the doctor. Game, I get it, but you know. Well, I, think I, I just want to say my favorite scene was when we have the newest doctor just throw the ball as hard as he can at at, at, at the tenth doctor. He's like, "You're, I'm on your side." And he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Like, I got carried away. It was in a, it was in a moment. It's like. Well, yeah, we we now know the uh, the which, personality. Which just opens up the fundamental project of catch, a uh, problem of catch, is a competitive game. 
Mm. Yeah, well, I think also the the toy maker his capabilities uh, to be able to throw and catch the ball aren't exactly defined. At, at exactly. Any point. So he, he turns could, bullets into roses. Why couldn't he turn <coughs> he you know the ball into a rose and have it float into his hand? Yeah, he could have. That would be cheating. That would be cheating. But he could have like teleported. He'd still be catching. That would be I mean, cheating. Well, how do you know the, these rules were never explained? Exactly. It was never explained the rules. So how do we know it's cheating? The also, problem. the doctor basically threw threw away the first game that he challenged him to because he was just like playing high low like a game of chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I honestly think that's probably the smartest thing you could do, especially if you have it in your, in your back pocket. It's actually two out of three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you have you know just really you know limitless power next to this person needs to adhere to rules. You need to go for a game of chance, otherwise they can only always spin it in their favor in theory. And so all it's even and, worse than yeah, catch. And that, that's why I would think yeah. in catch you could spin it so much more, like turning things into flowers. You don't think you could extend an arm a little bit or turn it into sl- a bullet? Or maybe <laughs> slow time a little bit if you can turn the whole concept of time into a voodoo doll? Or maybe he did catch the ball because it fell all the way off the building, and theoretically he could have gone and caught it all the way down there without any... I'm telling you, him. we're gonna see him again. This isn't the I don't end. doubt that. Um, and I, 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 I do want those things are satisfied. I do want to say that one thing about the card game that I liked was, if, if we had a moment, again, we don't have Wilfred anymore with us, but you know... Mm-hmm. He got to have one last quote, which I, I, I thought was one that was it, it stuck home with me. And it's also an important one that games don't remember like the dice don't remember what you do. There's all it, it's always brand new. Like you, you can roll it and it's not going to remember what you rolled to roll something different. That's not day. but that's although, not Wilf. Although it no, seemed, Wilf. seemed weird well, that the doctor didn't no, it, it's, it's a good lesson of probability, but, you yeah. know, you know, you're uh, just no, because yeah, of your failures in the past doesn't mean oh, you win her dad in your that's right. Or vice versa. It was actually a nod to her dad from Sorry. Runaway Bride, who passed away right after Runaway Bride, and oh. that would I I wouldn't be surprised if Russell <clears throat> actually had written that in a script <clears throat> because he was originally going to be in Will's spot, <clears throat> uh, looking up at the stars and seeing the Doctor uh-huh. in the um, when Donna returns. Sorry, um, no, no, it it's just a beautiful nod to that character, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just it. That was a beautiful line. Yeah. Uh, there's so many beautiful lines. <laughs> I liked the, uh, what happened to my guards? I think they're still falling. <laughs> and then the, boom. If, 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 I, Musically, I, yes. No, yeah. no, no. There was actually yeah, a sound effect. Oh, I see a uh, hold tight. I don't think we'd be able to hear them from <laughs> no, that, no. that height. No, no, no. We, able, we shouldn't have been, but the, but the toy maker made certain that you heard a boom. It was the impact. It was at, it, on my sound system at home. I could hear it. It was a, and it was a ba- it was a bass sound that literally like audibly popped. Oh jeez. Yeah. So awful. So awful. Well, that's kind of what he is. Although, the technically speaking, the toy maker, and I think we would make me make a, a recorrection. He's not actually evil. He's just behaves according to his nature. Yes. Yes. So he's just a natural Yeah, uh, you know, he's amoral. Yes. You know, morality is of no relevance or interest in him. He's He's interested in games, and he's interested in being on the right side of them. Or winning. He's as evil as a a tsunami or any other force of nature. Also, we haven't mentioned the great scene where he, like, dances up against the doctor, and the doctor's like, leave me alone, dude. (laughs) I I don't blame him. 
Well, I, I know, but it's just like, that's just such a, a toying with you type of thing to do. As a, a child growing up in the 90s and, and hearing Spice World again, it <laughs> oh, felt yeah. like for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I feel like I haven't heard it in, in a decade. Decades. Decades <laughs> at this point. And I just was, I was there for it. I remember at that moment... Of watching Patrick Harris gyrate all over the place. Yeah, yes, I did that. Of it's going on the music playlist tomorrow. Yes, and, and all that. I remember this was the the music video where they were on hover cycles and hoverboards and everything. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. I wonder I, what I they think of this, it. This like this song too probably gets a lot more play in oh, the UK. Be, yeah. I, I bet like the, it's still on the radio like all the time. I, I well, well, at least now it is. Well, you know what? Yeah. I, I want no, to like see the Spice Girls are like. Huge, yeah, no, no, there. Like, oh yeah, they, no, they, they are huger than like they. They must just be so much more popular. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Origins. I, I, I want to go. I, I want to go see the Spotify playlist like uh, metrics next week for Spice World. Well, speaking of music. Oh yes, they've released a single from the Christmas special, which has gone straight up to almost number one from on the UK Murray charts. Murray Gold is it by Main Man Murray it's, Michael? It's by Murray Gold and by Russell T Davies because Russell hey, actually hey, does a lot of stages. yes the lyrics. He does a lot of the lyrics. Yes. So I, I want to say we heard this song for for anyone who. Maybe not anyone who doesn't like spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, major this is spoilers. spoilers. This is spoilers. spoilers. I wish someone had told us about spoilers before <laughs> we watched it. But yes. The song was good. The lyrics were hella creepy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I laughed twice during them as well, out loud. Um, so that was valuable. I could see why they may be trending abroad. I can also see why they may be not trending domestically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to ask a question. I have to bring this one up because this is vital and we haven't done it yet. The Looney Tunes bonk with the gigant, <laughs> um, ginormous um, hammer and me. making a second TARDIS. It, it definitely played into the spirit of games. Um, I thought it was odd that the Doctor knew exactly where that was and such a brand new TARDIS and for such a thing to be there. Um, yeah. But fair enough. I, I also thought that clearly the Doctors had claimed their prize and they were like, we get a prize. No, no, no. I, I think that it was that David Tennant's doctor claimed the prize of locking the toy maker yeah. away, and, and Shooty Gawa's doctor got thing. his own TARDIS. Yeah, but you're right because they played the game as, as uh, if they were the, we're same. the same person. And then it's like, oh, just one of us. Yeah, we, you we, know, we can both play on the same team here, but we want double the prizes. Yeah, I mean, that did seem pretty. I mean, maybe that's just how games work. Maybe so, the doctor and the celestial. Toy, uh, toy maker know all about these rules, but they were not explained to us. So no, no, this was this right here was where I kind of dropped off. I I wanted te- I wanted Tenant's doctor to have to let go. Like there was a there was a healing to accepting your place and and being willing to let go of something. I know the doctor never lets go of the TARDIS. Well, here here's kind of. My only take on that is just that it would be inconsistent. Like, it would be like, the, like the, if the Doctor's in that situation, then he always will be like, I would be out in the universe if I had the option, but I don't have the option, so I'm You're stuck right. On the here. Christmas special, let's ship him off to Trenzalore, you know? Like, <laughs> like it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like a, but like here, it's more <laughs> of a choosing to stay. But yeah, I agree with you. The way they did it was pretty campy, and... Mm-hmm. And didn't really make a lot of sense. Since when has Doctor Who not been campy? That, 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 that's not the... Well, but 
the rest of this episode did a good job of staying away from that. And frankly, with the Celestial Toymaker, that's really impressive. I don't know. I they, think they, there's they a lot of campiness to well, a lot of things, well, but no, in a good no, way. because it was sinister. There was a lot of sinister. You know, like, I mean, like yeah, they, they found it, a new it, value for the you, you know that dimension of it. Right. So, like, it wasn't like campy in a ridiculous way. It's it can't be in mm-hmm. like a threatening way, yeah. which isn't really campy. It's yeah. just sort of it, it's it's creepy. Yeah, it, 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 it felt more intentional rather than cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'm puppets. doing this to creep you out, not yeah. I'm doing this because I can't afford to do better. But also, we had already defeated him in a sense, so that I feel like it yeah, kind BBC of makes. Yeah, the BBC defeated the budget a couple of years ago with the Disney <laughs> deal. <laughs> I just feel like it just made made sense that that it happened, mm. um, and I the the look on Shooty Gatwa's face when he realizes, oh wait a minute, I might be able to do this. That that very moment just made it. All the more better. True. And he did apologize to the TARDIS for bonking the TARDIS. Yes, I liked that. That was cute. I liked that part. I like the jukebox. Oh yes, the new jukebox. And it, we need a chair on that TARDIS. <laughs> we'll use some more chairs. Well, I think I think it's time to rate this episode. What do you guys think? I can go. Right. So, I like this episode a lot. I I mean, it is out of all of them, it feels like one of the best ones. I mean, the only thing... Is that it didn't have Clara? Well, no. <laughs> Clara already gets the, the one-point deduction, so it can't be higher than a nine because of no Clara. There and was Clara dancing around by the door. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. There was puppet Clara. <sighs> no. doesn't count. Ooh, but oh, but, it does. But, okay, point five back. All right. <laughs> so get as high as a nine point five. Hang on, by the way, puppet show was absolutely fantastic. It was. The, uh, well, that's all right then was yes. so was good. So, that was so, like, the, the, the commentary was wonderful on this one. All the way throughout. From the very beginning to him, like, I, your accent slipping to me like this, and, and him trying to get a bar back on him, like, we're not from around here. Like, no, I was born here. <laughs> like, that, all that, that back and forth, everything, the entire thing, wonderful. My thing in this, and I'm going to say this, Tennant's one of my favorite doctors. I love him. But seriously, he's starting to become a bunny as far as doctors go, and he's starting to multiply a bit too much. Oh, I thought you meant because he was being all soft and mushy. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> him, him just, like, them being literally, like, we now have two canonical tenants in the in the world. Uh, not in this one, because he's on a separate timeline, which we'll never be able to connect. Knock on wood. You never know. Point is that I, I that just felt... Now, mind you, after talking about it, I am better with it. But it still felt like a... Kind of a, a, I don't know. It it felt both like good in one sense. It's good. We talked about it. It lets the doctor. Heal. It was an easy way out. Yes, that's what it is. And as much as I'm okay with it, it, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way. That like, Tennant's been given this special place to just like. Still keep existing. Now, mind you, I love it. I love Tenant Doctor. I love the Tenant Doctor and everything about it. But if we do assume that the theory is right, that this is the curator, Mm -hmm. then we've wrapped up a loose end that's Mm -hmm. been out there for a long time. And also... We get the, you know, implication that he's constantly regenerating into old faces. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Tenon, it's all of them. Yeah, and, and you see, what I was hoping for originally, with the, when we saw Tenon back, 
is that we're going to talk about a new concept for the Doctor where you can... Because remember how it used to be with all the older episodes, the, the reunion episodes where they brought the Doctors back? It was always kind of like a, a weird way around it. And I think they're trying to build a new system to do it. Well, it's much yeah, better than a memory TARDIS. Well, well, no, because yes. like in those ones, when the Doctor meets himself, only the like the oldest one of them can remember the encounter. But here we have two contemporary Doctors, so they can actually remember mm-hmm. hanging out. And for once, they get along. Yeah, <laughs> and the yeah they said, do well together. Yeah. The Doctor said he takes rehab out of order, so maybe he'll go back to the faces to deal with all the traumas of his past. Yeah. Years. So what I kind of gathered this is that the that in a weird way, are the what are you? Would I think you might have called him the fifteenth, but our fourteenth Doctor um, is the one who is like he's chill because the tenth Doctor is now. In R and R, like sort of scenario, and that's kind of how I read that. I don't know if that's gonna be right, but so my point is, I liked it, but there's just stuff. stuff I'm having to do mental work more than I normally would have to during a regeneration. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's always a lot of mental work. Like when Matt Smith appeared, I was like, no, but Tenant, like I had to get used. I you got you every time you as a Doctor Who fan, you get to get used to the new Doctor, and it takes. It took me a really long time to get used to Peter Capaldi, and now he's my favorite. Oh, he was always he came in as my favorite. Oh like, well, but, but Matt Smith was my previous favorite, so I was just like, oh, uh, never lost him. See, I never got over Matt Smith taking Tendon away from me. So when I got Capaldi, I was happy. But anyway, okay, we distract you from your reading. So I want to say out of this one. And I'm gonna give a weird number, eight point seven five because it is the best of the of the of the specials, but no, cl- only a puppet Clara, and a little bit of a wonky ending. All right, I want to go next. Okay. Um. Yeah, I felt like this episode had a lot of gold in it, but then it also had a lot of random things that didn't really make sense in it. Um. You know, I have very mixed feelings about the Vi generation. Like I said, I really hated it when I first saw it. It felt like a cheap escape. But then Colin pointed (laughs) out the thing with the curator, which has always been hanging out there. And that kind of lines up. So if that's the answer, then I can roll with that. Um, I thought that, you know... Just in general, just this, this whole thing, there was so much good about it. The villain was great, the different... Like, there were a lot of companions in this, and none of them felt sidelined, and it was all real good stuff. And um, the Doctor was great, both Doctors were great. It was an easy transition, mm-hmm. um, but also, it, I, mean, I hope they don't become reliant on this bi-generation thing. Um, and that it doesn't, you know, have to get it or whatever. But I'm going to give this one an 8. Because, like, I really liked it, but I just can't give a higher because there were just too many things that just did not add mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Alright, so I loved this episode a lot. Um, so many good things here. I mean, I, I always talk about the pacing. This had tremendous pacing, almost to the point where I had to be like, maybe I would have liked a few more moments to reflect upon what just happened. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I knew I was going to watch it twice, so it doesn't matter in that form. Like, it in reality to my world, but I thought the pacing was on point. I thought Neil Patrick Harris was phenomenal in his role. Um, so was Donna. So was Mel. I mean, honestly, every meaningful character that we've seen so far I thought was highlighted and emphasized in a real way and got a more meaningful um, part in the Doctor Who universe. Um, and that's what I really love and appreciate about this. I do have some mixed feelings about the bi-generation, but I have to say, 
as much as a, a cop-out as it is, I really appreciate it. I like the the happy, sappy ending, along with a really charismatic, wonderful new doctor, and they both have their TARDISes, and there's some potential for some uh, future wootery things that might close up some other loops um, that could be um, fun to see. Um, I do see, um, you know, what you're saying, that like it's an easy transition to the next doctor, but uh, another criticism that I have that I didn't voice that is, by and large, minor in the grander scheme of things is that I thought while the transition was easy, it might have been too easy. I mean, maybe we'll see another focus in the next episode, but it wasn't like this doctor had an identity crisis of any sorts or any memory issues or um, any emotional trauma that they had to go through um, in order to be their full selves. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I thought this was a beautiful episode that really hit on a, really a lot of things, and I think with the second viewing even, um, became more polished and wonderful. I'm going to give it a 9. I'm going to go crazy with this as well. 9.25 out of 10. Yeah, that's almost a perfect score without a Clara. <laughs> See, um, I don't have the Clara metric, so we might be very aligned. <laughs> I love Clara. I will say uh, the doctor might have had some post regeneration clarity after being bigenerated, but he didn't have any, like, uh, the haze that the doctor typically has just after a regeneration, which is always fun to explore. Yeah, like, who am I? What outfit do I like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also the the human race did kind of get off a little easily by the end of that <coughs> like it didn't show very much of that the aftermath of once the giggle stopped I mean does the hate continue or does it fade out it would what happened to all those people who did crazy things and were horrible to each other will they be put in in like jail and whatnot and have repercussions in the future I mean Russell T Davies really does like to build the world and the people uh, so I can imagine it'll come back in some fashion um, but there's there's also unit and um, that whole group they they made those bracelets to sort of control <coughs> the the pattern which um, I was wondering, because, you know, the Master had the Archangel Network that you can really totally believe that the Master would be able to hypnotize people. He's been shown to do it before, and it's within his scope, and you can totally hypnotize people with technology. He's good with technology, but we don't really know what the Celestial Toymaker is capable of, so technically he could be capable of anything. He's basically magic. Mm-hmm. And, and I liked the Doctor's explanation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine he can control atoms with his thoughts. Yeah, Does he so... do that? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so... Um, <coughs> Stooky Bill being in, in all the screens was interesting, but it, it also seemed like it was a, a, re, a slightly reused concept from the Master's Archangel Network, and I, it didn't really hit uh, all all the notes for me, uh, for whatever reason. The arpeggio <laughs> was cool. I liked that. Uh, and it was cool that, that Don was able to, to be like, um, ah, yes, uh, I taught um, uh, my daughter the recording, and it led to an entirely other uh, conversation. And, and that was all interesting. Um, of course, the bi-generation is weird, and we can only wait to see what happens with the Doctor, but I feel like this episode specifically is the the best, most exciting episode so far. And, and if I'm going along with what I've read in the previous episodes, 
I'd have to give this something like uh, an 8.5. All right. Oh, also, I think we forgot to shout out to Donna for her awesome negotiation where she doubled her salary and got what? five weeks vacation, and she's going to keep that job. Yeah, so. she had tripled it, clearly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it was so easy. Mm. <laughs> she found her place. I mean, Kate really lo- lowballed her on that salary, I mm. think. <laughs> and 60K a year. I mean, it could be pounds, though. It, no, well, but, yes, but, but the sure fact that is. she said, no, 120, and she was just like, done, that means that she could have gone higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was happy, though, with the 120. So. No, I know. <laughs> I don't blame her. Um, okay, so Doctor Who, I started watching when I was a mere nine and a half years old. Mm-hmm. So small. Yeah. I was a little guy back then. Baby Michael. And... There was a certain feeling that I got while watching it back then that was almost impossible to duplicate until this episode. And this episode brought me back to my childhood immediately, Why? right from the start. I don't know what it was. It I was think Spice World. <laughs> there were so many elements to this episode that were a fast-paced. Secondly. You've got some amazing, amazing direction. You have some amazing cinematography. All of these things reminded you of classic Doctor Who? No, no, no. I'm just saying <laughs> the the way that it brings you into the world, the way that they brought you, they suck you in the and vibes. make you want you to feel what's going on next is exactly what I felt back when I was a kid watching it before. And I'll hand it to Russell with his writing. Um, Murray Gold with his music again. We haven't even mentioned all the little musical nods to the past, including Unit's theme, the Doctor's theme, and uh, maybe a little bit of Clara's theme in there. (laughs) Ha ha, there was a musical cue there. Oh yeah, they're all there. Um, I just, there's so many elements to the story that kind of reminisce on the past. And yeah, there's going to be mistakes made in in this because there's so much to go on. Technically, Mel wasn't the first redhead. It was actually Vistler Turlow. Yeah, I know. That bogged me. But it But maybe makes it's the first that, female. It, well, it makes redhead. sense that she wouldn't know, though. That, yeah, she that, doesn't that is, know. That is consistent with the companions not knowing about each other. Exactly. She had no clue who the heck Vistler Turlow was. So it makes sense that she's like, well, no, I was there beforehand. That's okay. I can, I can excuse that. Um, but all these elements come together with, and of course you've got actors that you just want to see on screen. I mean, bringing Neil Patrick Harris was genius. It's always Bringing genius. David Tennant back for these three specials, having Catherine Tate there, which is a fan favorite, having Kate Stewart there, bringing in Mel, which was kind of an unusual thing to do because Mel wasn't really well received <laughs> at the time. But bringing her back and then making her into a character you actually really care about and want there... Um, makes me want to see more of her. I, I was gleeful just seeing one of the companions from my childhood just sitting there. I know. It was just a it was just a lot to a lot. take in. And you know what? When I was first seeing the bi generation, I could understand why other people would have an issue with it. And I get what you all are saying with that. But you know what? I don't bloody care. It was actually fun. It gave it gave so many people 
so many people that happy ending that they needed for David Tennant, but it also kind of gives you a reset. It takes away a lot of the chibnall stuff that we just don't need to go back to and and all the all the feelings that the doctors had over the last like two decades just kind of resets it and makes it so that the doctor can just be the doctor again, which is what we need. We need to go forward. We can't go back to what we were doing anymore. We need to move on and rejuvenate this show because that's what we needed to do. We also had this wonderful kind of correlation to the real world. People go online all the time and and really kind of hurt people just on comments in Facebook and and other conversations around around the globe because they think that they are right with their own opinion. And to be fair, yes, you are entitled to your own opinion, which is one thing that is okay. But that doesn't mean you have to take away from someone else's opinion in order to have your own. And that was kind of one of the underlying messages here, too, is that you've got this kind of like, okay, the two doctors battling it against with this person who wants to make everybody seem right when maybe they aren't all right. You're wrong. Exactly. I just, there was a lot, and it was, it was a very bold statement, but it was not something that was so focused in on. It was something that was beautifully interwoven into the plot line of this, and we didn't even have to talk about it as a plot line because it was so beautifully done. There's just so much good in this episode, I can't give it any other rating than what you're probably expecting me to give it. Ten. This story gets a ten. And I knew that was going to be a ten (laughs) right after I finished it. How? There's no Clara. There's ten. There is enough Clara in there for it. There's enough of a lot of things in it. Was this episode called Listen? Uh, Hang on. I also think that we need to point out the moment when the two companions are pulling on the doctor's arms and his arms got too long. Exactly. But also, they were, I mean, Donna and Mel both were like, we're not going to let him die alone. That was a scene that was so critical and so awesome. Had maidens. Although, I mean, I do have to, I do have to disagree with you on on one of the points you made on the, like, uh, moving on from the past. I feel like dying and no longer existing and becoming a new person is more of a sharp move on from the past than let half of you go live in the past and no 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 the whole point is that the doctor the 14th doctor is left behind so he can focus in on himself and recover himself so he becomes the 15th doctor who is now okay yeah but that doesn't actually make sense i mean i know that that's what they said in the show but it doesn't make sense okay if you're a time lord shelby it would make sense okay we're talking about the celestial toy maker you don't have the right time brain okay the toy maker doesn't make sense donna even points this out in the court long quarters of doors this makes any sense (laughs) and that's the point of it that there's i mean this is a this is an escaped reality this is an escape from reality, well, even though it kind of brings reality into it. You, the audience, tell us how this makes sense to you. Where where does this rank in the Hooniverse? And do you really think it's good for a 10 without Clara? Oh, for God's sakes, get off of Clara. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm not well, going there. Happy holidays. I'm going to say it once we pause this. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> get out of here. Bye. Have a good night, everybody. Shh.